Uh, Sid, I think both of us should avoid the NASCOM offices for the next few weeks. <laughs> Welcome to the Weekly High with LSD podcast. The Leslie and Subhu dialogue covering the most happening technology news that affect India. So, hello friends and uh, once again welcome to this uh, weekly high with LHD show. Uh, this week we have uh, Siddharth Pai, uh, better known as uh, Sid. Uh, he's a consultant, a writer and investor in deep tech uh, science. And uh, Sid is also the founder uh, of uh, Siena Capital, uh, has held uh, senior executive uh, roles at IBM, KPMG and uh, TPG ISG. Uh, he has advised and completed over $20 billion worth of deals till date. And that makes him an excellent resource out here to speak about uh, the transition from the Trump regime to that of Joe Biden as the 46th president of the U.S. and the impact on India's tech industry, whether it's H-1B, the deals, startups, etc. Uh, we will also discuss uh, the implications of uh, SEBI's approvals for the Reliance uh, future deal on India's digital and e-commerce landscape. We'll talk about it a bit. And uh, we'll talk uh, a little more on um, the vaccine passports. At least that's what Pratosh. Uh, and more importantly, uh, we will be uh, tapping, um, uh, picking uh, Sid's brains on how investors look at uh, entrepreneurs who not only invest in the enterprise, whether it's cloud, SaaS companies, uh, uh, this thing, but also in cutting-edge technologies like AI, IoT, blockchain, 3D printing, etc. Et uh, so without much ado, uh, Sid, uh, uh, let's uh, open up uh, this thing with you. Uh, you have seen this transition of the IT industry. I remember our conversation, like it's been over two decades kind of stuff, if I'm not mistaken. And we've been talking about so many technologies. Here. So without much ado, what's happening? Uh, is it uh, a good uh, thing? Um, is it that people should be leaping with joy uh, for as far as uh, the transition from the uh, Trump regime to Joe Biden? What are the implications? Sure. Well, first off, thank you for having me, Subo and uh, uh, Leslie. I mean, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, let me try and address what you're talking about, which is directly this change of power going from one uh, president to the other president in the United States. I think, uh, by the way, you know, not just the news media, but also a lot of the large companies make too much of uh, what happens during an election and what happens during a handover. Uh, interestingly, I mean, I'll, I'll give you a slightly long story, but this idea of H1 becoming a vehicle for people to move and work in the United States and be closer to their clients was not something that was on the horizon, say, 25 years ago. Uh, at that time, you know, if you wanted to go to the U.S., you typically went there to study, got yourself a local degree, and then became employable and got into the H1 system and so forth. So the U.S. government, under lobbying from a lot of the tech industry, decided that they would cut out that intermediate step of having to have a local degree uh, and would provide H1s to people who were from other parts of the globe and had qualified in other parts of the globe. It can be useful for them. When they had a nursing shortage, for instance, they opened it up and uh, brought in a large number of nurses from India primarily Kerala, but also other parts of other parts of India. And nobody talks about that, but you see, but uh, there was a lot of immigration that went on as far as that was concerned. 
the truth is not very little has changed in the laws. Uh, whatever we may, we may say about President Trump and his um, and his uh, other, uh, let's just call them weaknesses at this point in time. The one thing he understood really was um, that there were certain industries that were in need of talent and certain industries where it wasn't a talent play, it was just an efficiency play where things were moving out from a manufacturing perspective. So in fact, one of the last things that he did when he was in office was to change some of the laws around the H-1 visa to allow people who are on the H-1 visa to get and had been in the U.S. for a long time to get their green card sooner. Uh, I always say that it's not the policy, it's in the execution. And even during President Obama's time, I remember how the U.S. consulates globally had been told, slow down on the Indian tech hires, you know, um, again, from because of intense lobbying by, by IBM and Accenture and others. And um, uh, so in, if you went in and you, you asked for an H-1 visa, you had the liability of getting rejected, the possibility of getting rejected was much higher. Um, and it was selectively applied. I mean, whatever they may say, firms that were American but were hiring people in India, such as Accenture or IBM, had an easier time than an Infosys or a TCS or a Tech Mahindra, which are natively Indian. Uh, though the policy was the same for both, it was executed differently for employees of different companies. It was also easy for the Microsofts or the Oracles and the others who are American companies who were here and had people here to get people over on such visas. Uh, so the first the main salient difference I want to point out over here is it is not a governmental or a person change. It is the policy implementation at the ground level and the instruction that's being given by the, by the government, the executive government in charge as to what to do with existing policy, which causes some of these block, uh, blockages. Now, the world has changed. The H1 and the ability to go and work in America and so forth is much less of an issue now than it was several years ago. I'll explain why. In the beginning of the outsourcing revolution, the typical split between on-site resources, that is resources who are actually in America or in UK or anywhere else, and offshore resources, that is resources that were, who are in India or you know, in some other instances, the Philippines or places like that, was 30-70, which meant out of every 10 people, you had three people in the US who had to go to the US, travel to the US, and seven people who are here. But over a period of time, what's happened due to a variety of factors, one, because of the pressure around H1s, two, because of the automation of a lot of these functions, three, because of the familiarity of corporations who are using these sorts of resources. That moved to 2080, and in today's deals is very often 1090, or even less, can even be 595. I've seen deals of that nature. So the impact where you need that many H1s for so many people traveling from India to the U.S. has dropped considerably also from a macro perspective. Is this also a COVID factor? COVID has played a later role, a latter role in what's, what's going on. I think, you know, COVID is, has, has bothered uh, everybody, whether you've got an H1 or you don't have an H1. I'm saying the work from home, the ratio, the proportion yeah, of onshore versus offshore. I, I see what you're saying, yeah. So the acceptability of the fact that work can be done from anywhere in the world uh, certainly has gone up quite a bit. 
and uh, so therefore um, you know tech companies are more willing to parse out pieces of their work and say okay let this be done somewhere else i don't care as long as it's some level of quality that i am that i can accept when it comes back it doesn't matter to me where it's done because of the nature of the business and therefore and covid certainly has has accelerated that trend which in many ways is a good thing uh, there's another trend i want to talk about which i'll talk about later in the session but that is the changing of the tech industry into a marketplace um much like uh, you know everybody likes to say like uberized the business but much like uber where the need for the middleman has been removed and i'll explain why that's happening as well uh, i don't want to take up all the air time here so i'll stop here because i'll say that that specific question about each ones and then uh, we'll talk about this marketplace yeah. in the it industry as we go forward yeah, because subu also had a very interesting perspective we were talking about the same thing you know that uh, those with h1b visas or those looking at a probably a kind of a relaxation of rules should not you know jump the gun because it's business so uh, subu we have shared this uh, uh, <coughs> yeah. on previous uh, issue see i think i i broadly agree with what siddharth is saying that uh this trend of uh you know the on site to offshore you know i remember when i was in the services business about uh, 18 years ago yeah there abouts you know we used to talk about 35 65 to 25 75 and so on and so forth uh now there are cases where it is 595 397 right i know of a deal with a large major the 397 now the therefore the pressure on h1b is gone okay the other thing that we need to be careful about is that you know it it's got nothing to do with technology but it has implications for us because see the minute biden comes and starts rolling back so to speaks it is not the issue of the actual impact on ground but it is the optics mm -hmm. okay and the optics are very clear the optics are that i am going to be more friendly to you as against the earlier guy who was less friendly to you right now while this may work for us and you know we may we may start jumping uh, immediately the problem with at the geopolitical level is that this is exactly the kind of being too politically correct which lost them and we brought in trump yes okay so i think i think we need to be tempered in our reaction we need to kind of say all right you know what is the real impact on ground okay the real impact on ground is 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 going to be marginal at best absolutely you know? and, yeah. and your point about covid see covid just accelerated the process I mean, it is already down to ten ninety, broadly. Okay, so it just accelerated the process, and and that is all there is to it. I don't think there is any major, you know, India friendly or H one B friendly activity that is that has been done in uh, by the new administration. Yeah, and I also feel a lot of this discussion does a disservice to the way the IT industry has matured, because over a period of time, if you see their business partners uh, today to a very great extent, it's just not about outsourcing, offshoring, or 
kind of stuff those may bring down costs and that is very good for the multinationals also but at the same time you clearly see that there has been a year maturity curve sit uh, will clearly uh, has seen that maturity curve go about it and we have spoken about this at length so here i find that from a perception point of view also it does a major disservice to companies that are actually doing a lot more work in partnership with these companies right. i think they have created offshore uh, 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 employment for these companies, and I think this will be important to also relate this because, as you said, we should temper the expectations and probably project this that no over period of time, Indian IT companies actually offer a lot more value to the business. So I see the body shopping, the body shopping as a business, okay, is almost at the at its extinction, at its at its death throes. Yeah, but the perception still exists. That's the problem. You see the per the, and and that is exactly why I'm saying that you know the minute you start jumping and saying that you know hallelujah your H one B is back, then the 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 yes. alter, the second the narrative that goes along with that is okay. So which means we are going to get more people out here. Exactly. You know, and the second thing I I, I you know personally I have experienced uh, the the what the policy is and what the implementation is. and these are two different things i mean i can tell you that uh, you know circa 2018 when i was traveling back from toronto into united states okay uh, at the border immigration i was asked i said the guy said you know what do you do i said you know i'm a, i'm a journalist and i tech journalist he didn't understand he said oh you've also come to take away our jobs i said wow i mean i'd like to but the fact is you know <laughs> i i'm not and he held me there for 15 minutes okay that was a short time believe me <laughs> <laughs> no yeah. but this is a bus ride okay i was just trying okay. to bus it back from toronto and everybody had gone i was all alone okay no the thing is it is it is the way you implement it and the you know how you implement it is also a function of the narrative that goes along with you know the perception that that gets built up that you know everything is going to get opened up and the democrats are going to now open up more and more and more people are going to come in and take away our jobs that's just not true it doesn't work anymore so said uh, because they need so said and uh, subu both i think uh, what is also important at this point in time is perhaps industry bodies like nascom which take this i think probably uh, need to change the narrative out here media uh, companies also need to change the narrative out here or understand the narrative better probably See the thing that uh, I agree completely. I mean, I, this is a tired analogy, but I've been using it for a long time. Uh, you see this this backlash, so to speak, against a foreign country uh, that comes from comes in the mind of the middle American. I'm not talking about necessarily what it's at at the policy level or anything else. Uh, the only ones who have actually handled it with panache are the Japanese. and i'll explain why in the late 70s early 80s in the late 70s early 80s uh, you know if you remember which is when the japanese automobile revolution had started and uh, it got to a point where people at chrysler and uh, you know general motors and ford and other places were losing their jobs and you would have signs and placards put up you know in open parking lots definitely in the parking lots of uh, of these uh, larger companies saying please don't park your import here 
right? So uh, the the then the, the Japanese got it. What they started doing was setting up small plants in the U.S. Where, and then a little thing on the side of the, of the car which you were going to buy, which would say things like 40% local content, 70% local content, and so on and so forth. And after a little while, after about a decade, said, made with pride in the United States of America. Now, the fact that the, comp the car was designed elsewhere, the fact that almost all the mechanics came from elsewhere, the fact that all that, but didn't matter because at the end of the day, the last assembly of maybe the last door handle, of course, they also put some money in plants. But, you know, they, they got to a point where it, this mindset of the middle American was that, oh, Honda is as American as, as, uh, as, uh, as a Ford. So I'm buying, what I'm buying is an American car and it's supporting American jobs and labor. The Japanese are the ones who got that. You know, and interestingly, the Chinese and the Indians have not been able to get that. And, but and Sid, having said that, having, having said that, isn't this exactly what this Atmanirbhar is all about? I mean, you are building phones, but everything is coming from outside. Exactly. Right. It's you are building phones, you are building, you know, whatever equipment you are building, everything is coming from outside. Right. You are putting it together and you are saying proudly made in India. <laughs> right. It's managing perception. Yeah. Exactly. It's just a matter of managing perception. And I think, I think uh, to be fair to a lot of IT companies, I think by themselves, uh, many of them have, have, have started or had started doing it some time ago. I know Infosys has a large uh, campus. I know TCS has a very large campus. They have several large campuses, right? Uh, I'm, I'm, I, know, I know I could get into serious trouble for saying this, but I don't know how effective anything like NASCOM is going to be. You know, because, I mean, listen, uh, they are an industry body in India. Okay. Uh, they are not a CII. Correct. Right? So for them to go to the US and then lobby consistently over a period of time, uh, they may have the money. I'm not, I'm not questioning that. I'm sure the industry will give them the money. But are they going to be taken seriously by the by the administration? I'm not sure about that. No, not really. Not, not sure. Really. Not really. I think it's to me. I've got lots of friends in NASCOM, so I have to be careful when I say this. But yeah. nonetheless, I think that it's a body that's outlived its usefulness. Wow. Okay. <laughs> uh, and I'll explain why because I think there are two or three things. I mean, they're, they're, it's okay within within the context of of uh, Indian IT companies working with one another. For instance, we now have a, say, a surge again in, in the number of entry-level people who are being employed. So they're jumping from one job to another with 70% and 100% uh, pay raises, which they don't deserve, simply because there's a, there's a, there's a vacuum right now and companies are willing to, to splurge and bring them on. on you know. But that's, that's an internal thing that NASCOM can help us manage here in India. See, the days of uh, well, 25, 30 years ago when people didn't understand what Indian software was, and there was really small companies, having a, an association like NASCOM made a lot of sense because their power could be lobbied together or put together and you know, lobbies could be set up in, uh, in, uh, you know, in the U.S. To, make, to change people's thought process. All the way through, I would say, Kiran Karnik's time when he was the, he was the chairman. Yeah, and, De Devang Mehta, Kiran Karnik. Devang Mehta. Right. And Devang yeah, yeah. You know, did a phenomenal job just yeah, before Kiran. Absolutely. And uh, that, that was a time when it was really useful and required for Indian industry.
Today, I would say from a lobbying perspective, it should be the TCSs, the Infosys's, the Apple's. Why are they not spending lobbying money? They're on lobbying money. Which no, you're right. I mean, look at it this way. If I'm a senator, would I respond to a Tata or would I respond to a NASCOM? Correct. You know, uh, I think I think it, it's it's you know you know it, it's not rocket science. Okay. Not at all. So I think the you're right. I think the mandate itself has to undergo a change. Uh, well, then, you know, yeah. like I said, we're not, I'm not sure whether NASCOM... Yeah, exactly. I mean, we shall uh, now just uh, drop that topic because uh, NASCOM needs to introspect. And I, if, uh, as, I, as I said, like, we all are friends in uh, NASCOM. And uh, in personal discussions, yes, we, it's, it's not that this is the first time that uh, uh, we have been so, you know, uh, outspoken on things. Like, yeah, uh, people have been critical about NASCOM. But I think, to be fair... Uh, I'm not trying to sugarcoat this entire thing, but NASCOM has tried to move into digital initiatives, yeah. Yeah. digital transformations, uh, giving a lot more uh, face uh, to the IT industry by holding events and calling, yeah. uh, you know, global speakers. So that, thing, but probably that perception issue as far as the H1B is there clearly needs to be tackled. Yeah. But that said, let's segue into the other part of it. Uh, Sid, you have done, uh, as I said earlier, also over uh, $20 billion worth of uh, deals in terms of value. Now, um, as I think uh, uh, Subhu also will agree, we would love to uh, hear your thoughts on how uh, uh, entrepreneurs or what do investors look at when they look at these companies, whether it's the uh, tech enterprise companies, cloud, SaaS-based or whatever it be, and uh, whether cutting-edge companies, whether it's AI, 3D printing, blockchain, IoT, yeah. I have another question to for Sid, yes. uh, and this is something that's been you know kind of playing in my head for several years now. Uh, why is it that you know when we have enterprise companies in India, you know the banks and the insurance companies and the manufacturing companies who who have implemented fairly sophisticated technology solutions? Mm -hmm. Why is it that the CTOs and CIOs of those companies don't want to become entrepreneurs? <laughs> is it that you don't want them, you don't, you will not fund them, or is it that uh, there is some gap between uh, what they have done and what you would like them to do? Because uh, this is this is a strange uh, issue. They so know you can, technology. You can take it in two parts. Yeah, so I'll take it in two parts. Uh, so let me answer. I think Subhu's question first, uh, Leslie, and I'll get back to yours because yours is a little bit more general. Before I lose the specificity of what he's asking about. Um, see, uh, Subo, I don't think it's a question of just, uh, well, I think what happens with CTOs is they've come to a level where they are probably not as risk-seeking in their careers as... Uh, is it only me or uh, Sid is not audible to... Can you hear me? I can hear. Yeah. Okay. So I was just saying that I think CTOs have come to a point in their careers where they've elevated enough in the enterprise and have gotten used to large salaries. So they're not as risk-seeking uh, as younger people within the organization. And I have seen several startups, several startups, from Indian IT, uh, Indian firms, and people within the Indian IT firms. So there will be two or three rungs down from the CTO. But they are the guys who have been implementing these ideas. They are the guys who have been coming up with these new ideas. And for instance, there's one firm that we're looking at right now where Founders have never worked outside of India. They've only worked on tech in India. 
and with Indian entities and one or, one or two cases with the R&D units of non-Indian, in this case, Korean entities. Um, and they're, they're at a stage in their careers where they're willing to take that risk. So we see a lot of those kinds, sorts of people. We do see uh, people coming in from the Indian IT ecosystem. And it's actually important. And I'll tell you why it's important to an investor like me. Because somebody developing something outside of the context of how it's going to be used here in India is of no value. I don't care if the tech is the deepest possible tech. I don't care if it's best on, based on the, the you know, greatest blockchain uh, uh, technology out there. In fact, there's something now which is sitting on both ends of the blockchain which says... We don't know how, it doesn't really matter how it functions on the inside, but we will track who the originator and who the recipient of the transaction is. I mean, who these two people are, which of course is a value to governmental agencies and other people, especially if there's any crime going on in that spot. But it's not, I mean, it's sitting somewhere and it's being managed in the US and it's been, you know, the, the, the application itself of this will start being in, some other, in several other countries before it's applicable to India. Whereas these other founders whom I just spoke about, they are sitting here right now working on cutting-edge natural language processing for Indian languages. Many people say, oh, you can use Google Translate. No, you can't use Google Translate. No, you can't. You can't, you can't use it. And, and, and uh, you need actual speech-to-text engines. As I'm speaking to you, let us say I switch to Malayalam or I switch to Tamil or I switch to Konkani or I switch to Hindi or whatever, Canada. You know, the, the, the switch that goes on uh, is, is to a point where the context and everything else changes completely. And you, as you well know, you know, you are people study students of language, where we place the subject and where we place the object is, is, um, predicate, yeah. you know, the predicate is just such, almost irrelevant in many Indian languages. You, you, you yeah. know, by the formation of the verb, what people are actually referring to. And which is not something that's there necessarily in Western language at all. And so therefore, you know, being able to get around things like this, this is a simplistic thing that I spoke about because it can be coded in. But then these guys, whom I will not name them, uh, but have gone actually one step further. They figured that a lot of the grammar of many of the Indian languages has evolved from Sanskrit grammar. That's right. Except Tamil, which is a different, uh, uh, you know, uh, language entirely. And also, I mean, this business of singular, dual, and then plural. And then the fact that, to make it simpler, the dual bit was cut out and it's just singular and plural. So if you start with that as an etymology and you start with that as a, as, as a tree, that helps you with most Indian languages. Obviously, you need to treat Tamil differently. You need to treat some of our Northeastern languages differently. Uh, but they've got that too, and they've understood that too. It'll be a long time before... A Western firm says, okay, you know, I can come in and have something that will manage 30, 30, 30, 40, 50, 60 Indian languages. It's not, it's only going to happen with people here who are local. The second example I have is a firm that we've actually invested in, two firms that we've invested in. I won't name them again. Uh, one is an agronomy startup. And they are trying to help farmers with small holdings decide what to next what next harvest to do, partially based on the market, but more based upon science that says, listen, if you plant potato now, you will have blight. So don't do that, you know, circulate it, put something else in. Or it comes to a point where the farmer has already planted whatever it is he or she wants to plant, 
and it comes to that they take a look at the leaf and say, oh my God, this is going somewhere. Now they can, again using agronomy, very quickly decide that this is disease A or disease B and provide the right pesticide based upon what's going on rather than the farmer going trial and error. Okay, which is just taking agronomy thinking and scientific thinking down to the small holding level. Obviously, where you monetize that is not with the poor farmer because he doesn't have anything to pay. You monetize that with the pesticide firms or the... Uh, Sid, I'd, I'd like to button here. Uh, in the interest of time, basically, yeah. uh, if, if uh, you were to give like three lessons that entrepreneurs could derive from the kind of experiences that you have, as I think you have already pointed it out in other, but if you can be specific because uh, people yeah. would like these, like they, they love it in two or three exactly. lines in a sense, like, okay, fine, uh, develop uh, products and solutions for the Indian market, sure. those kind of things. Okay, so I think three or four things. Uh, first and foremost, I think there is uh, a large untapped burgeoning market in India, which has now been freed by the fact that we have broadband access pretty much everywhere. That I think is pretty evident to people. So focusing in India, says just, uh, my point is there is a long tail. There is no need for you to go and look for stuff outside of our country. The second thing is within that, um, very often, you know, the, the specific thing that you need to be focusing on is no longer the B2C component. And I think that's where many people are making a mistake. They think that, you know, the money, the easy money is to be made in the B2Cs because that's the last phase. The guys, the flip cards, the tomatoes, the, you know, the swiggies and so forth. That's not where the money is to be made anymore. The money is to be made in the enterprise to enterprise sale as brought out earlier. And so therefore, you need to find out what's important to the Indian enterprise for it to reach its customers because they've already been here for, you know, decades and they know how to get, get to their customers. So you need to figure out what, what's important to the enterprise. So that's the second thing that I would suggest. And the third thing I, was, I would suggest is don't try and beat the Israelis or the Chinese or the Americans or whatever they're trying to do from a tech game perspective. Use them, but use them with the applicability of a specific, uh, you know, a specific thing for India that makes sense for India. So in, and the fourth and the last thing is, uh, don't necessarily think that if you build an idea, the, the world is going to be the path to your door. It's not going to happen. You need to understand the specific problems and the specific business issues that each one of these companies is having. If you can solve that, then you're really in, you're really in business. Um, and don't go after fads. Okay, today is learning environment. Tomorrow, you know, just hold on think five years out, COVID will be gone. And that's when your company will be will, will need the, the significant growth to bring in, you know, more investors, higher valuation and so forth. Why are you reacting to what is probably going to be just an 18 month window of problems? Don't so over in, that, in that particular uh, context, uh, anything specific for the cutting edge uh, guys because they tend to follow fads and I think Subhu and me we have discussed on uh, uh, in on the past shows also that you know these cutting edge uh, reach a hype cycle and they go down and I think you know that better than us. Yeah. So so the cutting edge guys again I will say focus on focus on the things that will will really make an impact. Definitely natural language processing will make an impact here in India. The second thing that's going to make an impact in India is. Enterprise specific IoT. Right. So if I'm Tata Steel or I'm Tata Motors and I'm getting stuff from a variety of places or I have 
cars all over the country or trucks all over the country then if there's some specific things that you can do as in say take my tankers and have them digitally managed so that there is no spillage and or loss of say fuel or milk or whatever else gets siphoned off on the way those are the types of business problems that the cutting edge guys need to focus on because there are blockchain uh, applications for things like that there are iot applications for things like that please come up with those one which you've seen that has come done really well in fact is a, an iot application to manage engines that are already in the field small little thing out there it's a retrofit but now the health of that engine can be centrally managed without you having to send out an engineer every single every every three months or two months which is not in our, our psyche also because once you've installed it you only call the engineer once the thing is broken down you don't want preventive maintenance uh, but if this can be pushed into the you know into the ecosystem that's where i would suggest they focus on um, yeah. so now let's segue into the other part of it uh, which we were uh, promised our viewers that we would talk about is the sebi sebi approval for the reliance future deal uh, what it means for the digital and the e-commerce landscape so your quick thoughts on that subu can you hear us so i think uh, no so sebi approval has come with a significant amount of riders okay and sebi has in, in fact uh, told uh, future that they have to inform that they have to mention that there is a pending uh, you know litigious situation that is possible uh, and they have to disclose all of this stuff uh, that apart i think i think what we are really seeing is some sort of a consolidation i think it is a one two market that we are heading towards you know and uh, it's fairly apparent now yes there will be other players but they will be niche players the two 700 pound gorillas will be reliance and amazon and amazon knows that and which is the reason why amazon is you know trying to expedite the arbitration process in singapore and try and get a decision out uh, reliance on the other hand of course is is you know uh, moving its own muscle it requires future because for the especially for the uh, for for growing into the dc yeah. uh, bc uh, towns so uh, it will be interesting uh, you know the only only issue that i am a little concerned about is that in any one two market you know initially the consumer benefits a lot but later on the consumer starts paying more Yeah, the dth uh, is an ex- excellent example I'm dth no and and look at look at your uh, food delivery today your food delivery the other day i just realized that the cost of a mcdonald meal right is 2x on swiggy as compared to the list price it's 2x 100% okay now maybe because of you know behavioral issues we are all getting used to hooked on to uh, you know swiggies and the zomatos of the world and i had nothing wrong with it that's a business model but the one to market typically does this yes you know so yeah. i am a little wary of that but having said that 
well, there's nothing much I can do unless, you know, I decide to buy Amazon or Lance <laughs> out. I mean, really. <laughs> Sid, your quick thoughts? No, I, I agree with that. I think it is going to be the dance of the gorillas. But I think there is, uh, and, and at the end of the day, you know, I think, um, uh, as Subo pointed out, in the long run, the consumer is a loser. Um, you know, and, uh, but set that aside for now, I think, because there is an opportunity there. And the opportunity there is very interesting. And it's not for the consumer as much as it is for, don't forget, it's a marketplace. So yeah. you're also selling on, on Amazon. You know? uh, the opportunity really is on the other end for the smaller players. And not the Kirana stores and all that that they make much of in the media. But from a technology perspective, the answer is to build India's version of Shopify. If you're, if you're aware of Shopify, all yes. it does is it provides an e-commerce platform for an existing small mom-and-pop business. So I might be an electronics retailer in, on the corner of the street. I might be a, you know, a, a hosiery seller. I might be something else. And if I'm put on Amazon, you will squeeze everything out. And if I come up with something that's a worthwhile product, you can be sure there'll be an Amazon Basics equivalent at half the price tomorrow, right? Which is hurting the seller also. But if I can go on a Shopify, that doesn't happen. That's the ecosystem that you're building. I'm building an ecosystem. So that's why Shopify is doing as well as it's doing in the United States and in other parts of the globe that is beginning to, to open up. I, def I definitely think if an entrepreneur were to think of this seriously and build something uh, from that perspective. See, India is a very entrepreneurial country in terms of mom and pop stores, small shops, small stores, specialist uh, you know, furniture makers, you name it. And if I can then provide, uh, you know, the, each one of them a platform where they know, listen, this guy is not cash register, maker, everything, and competitor at the same time, uh, then it's, it's, it's much more helpful. I think that vacuum will be filled. Probably not immediately, but I think within 18 months to 24 months, you know, I think somebody will have the sense to fill that vacuum and they see these two players. I like that. I like that expression. You know, dancing with the gorillas. In that context, you know, do you know this? Uh, where can an eight hundred pound gorilla sleep? <laughs> Anywhere it likes. <laughs> so with that, let's take on to the last topic that we wanted to talk about: uh, the vaccine passports. Now uh, we know that uh, I think there are three uh, three countries: that's Estonia, Hungary, and uh, one more. Iceland, I think. So. Iceland, yeah. yeah. So these, these three countries are already thinking about the vaccine card, basically, which is similar to what uh, the World Health Organization has, the yellow card kind of stuff. Of yeah. course, this will be a more sophisticated digital certification kind of uh, uh, issue. I think I have uh, just two concerns out here. Is One is that the efficacy of the vaccines have not been proven up. So how do you really come up with this kind of a thing? And secondly, I think also the shortage of the drugs has not been addressed because uh, there are many companies, I think Pfizer has had, had, had a problem, AstraZeneca has a problem. And uh, so we have these issues out here. So probably uh, the sense, I think even who has uh, spoken against, uh, uh, you know, rushing with this uh, uh, vaccine uh, passport concept out, out here. Uh, so let's, uh, let's have your quick thoughts on this. I don't so, so uh, to me, see, we, we, we like to come, come up with terminologies. We love our terminologies, you know. Uh, many, many years ago, I remember, if you had to go to the US or the United Kingdom, 
you required a yellow fever shot the certificate had to be shown the yellow card okay so all that's going to happen is that you're going to replace a card with a chip or a qr code right that having said we don't know what is the uh, case for reinfection yes so far from this being your passport into iceland this could actually be your uh, you know your route into creating new swath new wave in in iceland for covid we don't know that animal we don't know covid we don't know vaccine we don't know reinfection we don't know efficacy so what are we trying to rush into for that that is what uh, is bothering me about this whole covid uh, this vaccine passport issue said you yeah, i have to agree i think uh, it's it's too early i mean all, all we can really do at this point in time is okay are you covid negative covid positive before you board that flight uh, which is being done and i think um, you know until we know what the true efficacy of the vaccines are which the data will now come out you know over a period of time as it's yeah. been tightly being tightly managed even here in india is impossible i mean yeah it's very clear it's for frontline frontline uh, medical workers defense personnel those are the people mm-hmm. are getting in i've heard stories where people they arrive with just the exact number of vials and they leave with that right so but the data will be clean is what i think and once the data is going to gets established i think it'll take at least 18 to 24 months mm-hmm. once the data gets established then maybe you know having something that says okay i've got a covid certificate i'm free of it is or i've got uh, um i've been uh, vaccinated i think that's the time right now as subu says we know very little we know very yeah. little about the efficacy of the vaccine the the disease itself um whether it can reestablish itself in some other form um mm. so i think we'll have to probably go back to a little bit more of our regular and normal things uh, last night boris johnson said that you know the uk strain is going to be far more deadly mm. deadlier right now is this vaccine going to prevent that you don't know yeah. the thing that you bothers the other thing that is you know i was finding it very interesting was so what happens when you develop you know herd immunity so let's say you reach 70% you develop herd immunity which means 70% of your population is vaccinated yeah. now the rule is that you cannot travel if you are not vaccinated so which means 30% of the people will create have never ever going to be tra- yeah they'll never ever be able to travel because yeah. they don't need to be vaccinated correct so, yeah. i mean you're dividing society basically that's a big problem out here because the lack of, and even india has its own covin which is the covid vaccine intelligent yep. network so it's not that we are uh, not trying that and uh, of course uh, uh, connecting the dots here i i think it's i, I think we are uh, all on the same page that it's a little premature and it's not only us it's basically all many experts are thinking about that um it's very surprising so all the western media also now are coming up with these initially they hailed this uh, uh, kind of proposal and now they are coming up with all kind of caveats uh, world health organization also has stood up about it uh, so yeah it's see the inoculation uh, movement is is not something that is going to uh, get over anytime soon you know uh, so i think to that extent uh, talking about a you know vaccine passport at this level at this point in time i think it's it's way too yeah. premature way too premature, premature yeah true yeah so uh, said uh, lovely having you on the show uh, thank you, thank you.
for your insights i mean uh, uh, and also that history about uh, the outsourcing which many of our viewers will not be uh, knowing so i'm glad that you came up and i think your uh, the tips that you provided are very specific uh, pointed and i think a uh, uh, lot of uh, take homes uh, so viewers uh, i hope you had a good time uh, just one thing uh, oh, i so want, want to mention yes. yeah Uh, Sid, I think both of us should avoid the NASCOM offices for the next few weeks. You know, because you know, I think uh, I think we there could be some. If you if you if you have an H one B visa, you'll get it cancelled. If you don't have it, you'll not be issued one. Yeah, you know. I think so, people in I think people in NASCOM also are pretty introspective. They are thinking should, about yeah. a lot of these issues. So I, I think they'll be gracious enough to overlook <laughs> some of the peccadillos. Since we are all the Uh, like a, go ahead. No, they say nobody kicks a dead horse here, so exactly. it's okay. Not, it's not exactly. So it's. Uh, yeah. I, I think uh, they are all brethren, uh, the same brethren. So we have a right to voice yeah. our opinion out here. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. and they are free to uh, disagree. So that's that's okay. Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. I mean, everybody has their opinion, right? So it's yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, had, I had a little yeah. bit of a run-in. Sorry, just a, I had a little bit of a run-in about eighteen months ago with NASCOM. Uh, actually, when I found out that Sajid Chinoy, who was the chief economist of uh, J.P. Morgan, had figured that there was no movement in the balance of uh, actual cash balances moving in the IT industry in terms of amount of foreign exchange being earned, mm-hmm. whereas every year we were saying, "Oh, it's going to go by 20 percent, it's going to go by 40 percent, it's going to go by 15 percent," and so forth. The NASCOM number was was very very important. Well, it turns out that that NASCOM number was actually something that was uh, back engineered. With a lot of extrapolation, so I wrote a piece about that, and I got a couple of um, uh, calls. <laughs> from, so you're you're uh, a marked man already. Good. <laughs> <laughs> and and just basically saying that you know these numbers are are no are just not not something we can rely on. So I got a couple of calls uh, and had a couple of meetings, and then of course they went and explained their side of the story. But I just say that they've, uh, for what it's worth, they've stopped providing guidance on yes. growth. <laughs> for, for no, but in <laughs> but in all all fairness, you know, uh, so uh, I will be calling some NASCOM executives on the show also, and yeah. hopefully we can have you back uh, uh, because I think they, uh, they 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 need their voice to be heard, and uh, they. Uh, well, I think it's a, a healthy debate is always uh, warranted out here. Uh, startups, with, you know, with. Uh, With the no. local industry, no doubt about it. No doubt yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah. So let's give give the devil its due. And uh, on that note, uh, we oh, also. So you're uh, also a marked man now. You just called NASCOM a devil. <laughs> ah, well, well, well. I, I love right. love the way you give a twist. This is this is what AI can't do at this point in time. <laughs> so I know you're not an algorithm. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so viewers uh, i hope you had an excellent time because we can talk about this topic as uh, usual till the cows come home but uh, for now uh, we will take your leave uh, uh, enjoy your weekend so bye for now thank you for listening please subscribe for new episodes every week and for daily enterprise tech news and news visit cxotoday.com